This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. He's the best defense attorney in the world today, and that's no disrespect to Danielle Rosenberg, author Idala, and a host of others, but Takapina's at the very top of the list. He's also a weekly guest on this show, and most importantly, a friend of mine. You ready for this? 42 years. He's also very handsome and rugged. He owns a professional soccer team that won a championship, and he wears his pants very, very tightly. There he is. <laughs> you know, since if you got it, you got to show it. Then, no, know, no doubt, bro. No doubt. And you, you know. are one handsome guy with, the, uh, with tight pants. Joe Tacopina. By the way, he's 43 years now. 43 years with you and I are buddies. How about that? And, and you know, yeah, this yeah. morning we're having a conversation. I started the show hours and hours ago at 6 a.m. by playing How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees because Friday night is when Travolta, as Tony Manero, went to 2001 Space Odyssey. He started Friday uh-huh. night. And we made the points of all the clubs, the Underground, Xenon, Palladium, Bedrocks in Brooklyn, Funhouse, you know, all these clubs. And, yeah. and Curtis said, I used to go to Pastels. Oh, I got to yeah, I said, yeah, that one too, Roller Palace. I said, let me tell you something. In Polly, it was me, Danny Fagliano, Joe Tacopina, and Gary Hanna, who's also an attorney today, by the way. His father, Al Hanna, was one of the owners of Pastels. You remember that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was a, yeah, that was a great, great spot. <laughs> it was a great spot. Great spot. Uh, Shocking me, that we're here today. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's right. Let me ask you about uh, talking about famous people and famous spots. Biggest story of the week, Joseph, has been Alec Baldwin. I guess he's finally admitted now to, kind of like Hunter Biden admitted to having the laptop, that he pulled the trigger. But um, I think what you said last week still remains true, which is hard to really convict him on this. Have you changed your mind? Not, no, I've actually locked in even more um, because I've come to learn some of the facts. Don't forget, there was an armor on set, okay? So when you have a, a, a movie set with prop guns or prop weapons, there's an armor. And there was an armor on set, that, that lady, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. There was a producer in charge of the set, this David Halls. They were also charged. But those are two people who, by the time a prop gun gets to the actor, let's forget Alec Baldwin, the actor, that gun has been supposedly have been cleared and checked, and that's what the armor is all about. Someone, th- there is a criminal in this case. I don't think it's these people. Um, you know, that you can make an argument on, on, on negligence on behalf of the armor or the producer, perhaps, because they were supposed to check that gun before handing it to an actor. But some criminal injected a live round into a gun and loaded it on a movie set. Somebody did that, and, and that's that's the mystery of this case. They don't know who did it, and but but to charge Alec Baldwin to get some press out of this thing, because it's a special prosecutor, it's, just, it's disgusting. It really is. I, I hate when, when charges are levied against people, whether you like the person or don't like the person, you know, just to gain some either political advantage or tactical advantage or some notoriety. And, you know, this prosecutor is now going to make a name for himself, I'm sure. Um, the special prosecutor, Andrea Rayab, or whatever her name is. But it's it's disgusting. How the hell was Alec Baldwin, when he's given a gun by the armorer on the set, supposed to know a live round is in there? Right. He wouldn't know. It's stupid. All right, I'm with you. I think Alec Baldwin gets off. I don't like Alec Baldwin, but um, if he's innocent, he's innocent. Uh, let's get to uh, Mark Pomerantz. You brought him up last week when I revealed to the audience that you, in fact, received a phone call from President Trump. You, in fact, did go down to Mar-a-Lago. 
You did have dinner with President Trump, his son Eric, and others. And I believe, and if I'm wrong, correct me, that right now you are officially a Donald Trump attorney. And this guy, Mark Pomerantz, he is something else. Give us all the details. It's it's just it's mind-boggling. It's almost, almost I didn't believe it when I first heard it. I thought I was missing something, but I've since come into to contact with the confidentiality agreement that he signed. Mark Pomerantz, remember, was a lawyer who was brought on to the Manhattan DA's office as a special prosecutor to investigate Trump. Okay, and, so, and so he, he was, so he was in the same office as Alvin Bragg. Correct. He was working under Alvin Bragg, right? As an independent special prosecutor working under Bragg for this purpose. Um, you know, he started with with Vance. And then it shifted over to Bragg. But, yes, he was a Manhattan district attorney's special prosecutor. When you do that, from coming from the private sector, you have to sign an agreement, which, which binds you to a lot of rules and regulations. And then the most important paragraph in that agreement was number six, which said any disclosure of information gained here, because the information gained here is going to be gained from a grand jury investigation and grand jury subpoenas, any disclosure to a third party unauthorized is a felony pursuant to New York State penal law. It is a felony. Somehow this guy thinks it's a good idea to take the information he gathered while having a fiduciary duty to the people of the state of New York and as a prosecutor with an ongoing investigation in Bragg's office, taking that information before that investigation is concluded, before the grand jury is disbanded, and writing a book. Yeah, how do you do that? I just can't even understand who's counseling him because he's committing a felony. And I will be calling – if that book is released next week, I will be calling for Alan Bragg to commence a criminal investigation. Wow. And, and and as far as I know, the book is expected to be released next week. Yep, it is. You know, money is money. And that's, you know, this guy clearly, look, I think he's at the, in the twilight of his career, perhaps, and maybe it's so he thinks, uh, you know, he has got some new not-for-profit provider. I don't know what he's doing, but, but what he's definitely doing is not complying with the law and certainly not caring about much his reputation or his legacy um, because he's doing something that, it, look, it's not just me. It's the district attorney, Alan Bragg who's not necessarily friends of Donald Trump yeah, or the Trump yeah. organization, right? Right. Who's going after him? Saying the same things I just said to you. So it's it's mind-boggling that there's there's nobody who's going to back this guy up. He's going to have some real problems. Forget about ethical problems with the bar. But there's there's criminal, criminal ramifications here. Wow, this is, uh, uh, of course, uh, famed defense attorney Joseph Takapina, my dearest friend, 43 years. All right, so good job there covering Pomerantz. We covered Alec Baldwin. Sometimes, as you know, Joseph, being the best in your business, the best uh, defense is a good offense. Yeah. And Hunter Biden has sat back the last couple of years. He got the shop owner with the laptop talking about him, Rudy Giuliani talking about him, Bernie Kerrick talking about him, Miranda Devine and and Tucker Carlson and all these people. And I guess he woke up and decided, okay, before they say more, let me go out there and start talking about them and tell them to stop it. So somehow, I guess he, he convinced or his attorneys convinced him to go out there and go after the people that are going after him. Tell me about that. <laughs> I, it's a, another peculiar legal move, but it's one when, you know, the best defense is a good offense, I guess, like you just said. I mean, for more than two years, Hunter Biden has refused to admit the laptop is genuine, you know, despite the email recipients confirming the content and the communications, right? So he's been saying, oh, it's not, it's not you know, I, I, that's not, I can't confirm that that's real. I don't know. That could be the, the Russians or something like that. Who knows? That's literally, that's what he said. Um, so now they're doing a quick pivot. And they're saying, okay, it's mine, but you committed crimes by going into my computer. Now, here's the funny part about that. This this letter, the, the threatening legal letters, were brought a day after he was sued by the laptop store, by the computer store you know, owner um, who, who's been under attack. I guess his name is uh, John Paul Mack, 
you know, Isaac's computer pastor, he sued him for defamation <laughs> the day before. And what they did at that point was saying, okay, we want criminal investigations. The, the day after that letter, that, that lawsuit was filed, they want criminal investigations and whatnot. But here's the thing, you know, that computer, let's talk about the legal basis for anyone to go into that computer. That computer was left in that store for two years. The guy has a little computer repair shop. Apparently, and again, I'm going off what I've read and what he has said, apparently he reached out to him for more than, than a few years to try and get him to come and reclaim his computer. When you abandon a piece of property in a store, meaning you don't pay for the service or you just, whatever it is, you just leave it there, it's abandoned. You know, two, it's not two weeks, it's two years. Hmm. So, so <laughs> all of a sudden that property is not necessarily his anymore. Wow. And, and that's, that's what they dug into. So, you know, these, these threats now to people and we want criminal investigations, of course, are only going to people who are allies of the Biden family in Delaware and whatnot. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's very, very, very hollow. And by the way, you know, the things that they're claiming are really marginal, marginal at best. So yeah. I, I don't think yeah. there's really any, anything coming here. But this is eventually going to come, come full circle. It has to. All right, I'm bored of the document story, so I'm going to go past that one. But somebody just sent me this, and maybe you know about this, maybe you don't. It's not like you're not busy these days, Joe. My God, you have a million clients. Uh, New York State Appeals Supreme Court decision ending vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. I guess the Supreme Court decided that the the health uh, division here in New York can't make up, can't, doesn't have the authority, per se, to make that decision. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's absolutely the right call. It really, in my opinion, it's the right call. Um, you know, to me, the, the, listen, I don't know where you stand on this. I'm certainly not a doctor, but I just know there are a lot of people who've gotten very sick from that vaccine. And I know that one thing's a fact. Normally it takes a vaccine five years to roll out to the public after testing. This thing rolled out in five months. Um, there's some real concerns about it. And And by the way, you know, if you want to vaccinate yourself, Terrific. If you think that's going to protect you from a virus, the COVID virus, terrific. But, but, um, you know, the the bottom line is that's to protect yourself. So if I choose not to get vaccinated, you're not any any worse off because you have your vaccine. But, but I think you can't. We can't start mandating how people have to what people have to inject into their body. My daughter Olivia was was going to college. I'm not even going to name the college. I don't want to get into this, but. But, you know, and they were mandating that she was vaccinated before she came on campus. Yeah. Mandating. Yeah, and to yeah. me, it's just, I mean, at this point, yeah. you know, COVID is now, honestly, it's become, it's just a virus. It's a cold. Honestly, the flu is right now much more ferocious yes. than the that's a, That's a medical so fact. Just, yes. Yeah, it's a medical fact. And we yeah. just got to stop with these, take more medicine, take vaccines. You know, the people are, who used to be pro-pro-vaccine are now saying, ah, you know what? We don't know now. There may yeah. be something. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. So in 20 years from now, there's going to be an infomercial where we're going to watch the Super Bowl. The Raiders will finally make it, and we'll watch something <laughs> where they'll be like, in, in 2022, were you forced to be vaccinated? You right. have a claim. Right. You know, it's going to be right. one of those You're you right. coming. You're right. Sujata Gibson, I'm told, is uh, the lawyer. I'm not sure if you know that person. But uh, yeah. you know, a lot of folks, Tack, as you know, lost their jobs. Mayor Eric Adams, who I'm friendly with, but... Lately, I, I, I need another talk with the mayor. <laughs> uh, a lot of folks uh, were, were fired, have not gotten their jobs back. State employees, Kathy Hochul, city employees, Eric Adams. And that was never right from day one, ever. I mean, you had Kyrie Irving playing basketball in Brooklyn, that punk. And you had Aaron Judge out in right field in the Bronx. But some yeah. cop or EMT worker who's trying to save somebody's life, those poor yeah, bastards haven't worked in two years. You just hit the nail on the head. It's not even just those poor bastards. It's the poor bastards that they're helping, right? A, sh- a staffing shortage affecting the New York healthcare sector is a crisis 
it's a crisis. So it's imperative that those mandates be dropped immediately so healthcare workers can return to serving these people, right? Our friends, our, our loved ones, our family members, whatever. It's, it's, it's a crisis. So it's, it's not only affecting the people who want to go back to work, it's affecting all the people who need those people to go back to work. Agreed. Another fantastic appearance. What is Joe Tacopina doing this weekend? Um, trying to get over this ridiculous flu that I have, so I'm going to be doing not a lot of oh, you Morgan is having a baby shower, so my daughter's having oh, a baby cool. I believe cool. she's pregnant. I can't, like, I can't, a grandfather. I mean, that is just a Oh, my level. God, that is nuts. Yeah, Wait a second. No, no. no. Wait I'm a second. 31. I don't know how I could be a grandfather. It just doesn't. I know, it is crazy. But by the way, uh, I've been invited to her wedding three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. well, she didn't get married, divorced twice. It's just that COVID knocked out three of her weddings. I remember. She had a yeah. wedding in Venice, remember? The I know. we were. Danielle and I were so excited. We're going to Italy. Westport. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for three. So okay. she was like, you know what? No, thank you. We're married. They got married civilly. Right. And uh, now she's pregnant, so there's a baby shower tomorrow. So that's that's Mazel Tov. That's awesome, Joe. Feel better. Mazel Tov on the grandchild on the way, and uh, give our best to her, and we love you. And you're doing a great job on this show every week. I'm thrilled you're here. And keep up the good work. We'll talk again next week, buddy. Have a great weekend. Okay, brother. Nice My man, you. Joseph Tacopina. That's the best defense attorney in the world. Out of Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Son of Cosmo and Josephine. Two great people, by the way. Joe Tacopino.